Hello and welcome to Learning More with the Core, your Community Health Corps podcast. My name is Keely Hancock and I am a current social work intern with Community Health Corps, East Texas's local mental health and IDD authority. Today I have the pleasure of speaking with Community Health Corps Takumi service provider, Ms. Kelsey Heichelheim. Ms. Heichelheim is an East Texas native who graduated from Hallsville High School. She then continued her education in Virginia, where she acquired her Bachelor of Science in Psychology from Liberty University. Since then, Kelsey has been serving Community Health Corps for five years, in which she has worked for the Texas Correctional Office on Offenders with Medical or Mental Impairments Program here at Community Health Corps, also known as Takumi. So without further ado, please enjoy Ms. Kelsey. Hello, Miss Kelsey. How are you today? I'm doing great. Gearing up for the holidays. Oh, yes. So, real quick, can you break down what Takumi is? Because the title is extremely long and very intricate. And I would love to hear your definition. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um, so, Takumi is a program that is funded by TDCJ. Uh, we have a contract with them and what pause what's TDCJ for those that don't know oh Texas Department of of Criminal Justice okay so we are contracted through them and what we do is we provide mental health services at no charge to the client so they pay for medications they pay for any services that they require they come in and there are a few different levels of care We, we have three levels of care we have COC which is a 90-day program. And if they are low risk, they are on COC, which is just continuity of care. Okay. They go on that program, and that's basically just case management, trying to help transition them from jail or prison back into the outside world, as they call it. You know, regular life. Yes, trying to get adjusted to that, get set up with primary care doctors, housing, oh, okay. you know, whatever needs that they have, okay. uh, we try to meet that and then we transfer them either into regular services at that 90 days or if they don't want to continue on with that, we'll provide an outside referral. Okay. If they are uh, low moderate to, I believe, moderate high, mm-hmm. they go on our, they'll go on COC for temporarily while they're on the TCM wait list. Okay. The TCM program is a 12-month program. So it's basically kind of the same thing as COC, but it's longer case management, skills training. Okay. We see both of those caseloads we see usually twice a month. Okay. I will offer my clients the chance or the opportunity if they feel the need. I can see them weekly, and I have a few that I do that. Okay. I have a few that they'll go biweekly, mm-hmm. and then say something happens in their life and, and they're struggling, we'll pick up to weekly mm-hmm. for a little while to get them through that. Okay. <clears throat> And then if, they, if they're ready, we'll drop them back down to bi-weekly. That's what okay. does TCM stand for? Uh, transitional case management. Okay. So we'll see them for up to 12 months in that program. And then the same thing happens with them. We move them to regular services mm-hmm. or out into society, into the community. Okay. Yeah, special health resources, uh-huh. uh, something like that, wellness point. And then we have our intensive case management uh, caseload, which is ICM. Okay. And then there's also kind of a subset of that that's RICM, which is Rural Intensive Case Management. And that kind of just depends on where it is. For example, the Harrison County ICM caseload is an RICM caseload. Uh-huh. And that's targeted more towards the people that live out in the more rural areas. Yeah. Uh, we go 
at either meet them out in the community or at their homes one visit a month and then the others can be in the office okay and we see them weekly weekly for how long um up to two years okay yes so we will keep them on icm for up to two years and say they're just not quite ready to transition to something you know way lower like loc1 yeah. we may move them to tcm and see them twice monthly for a year okay. until you know we get them stabilized a little bit more so they do have the opportunity to be on the program for more than that two years if they're in icm right so you're saying like intensive case management what's intensive about it what are they struggling with they have to have a risk level coming out of probation or parole mm -hmm. that is um, high Okay. So that means that when, when they're assigned a risk level, that's their risk of reoffending and going back into oh, okay. the prison system. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, so when they're in on probation or parole, they're mm -hmm. assigned low to high, and you know low, they're probably okay. Yeah. You know, just some basic management. High, they're really watching them, yeah. um, trying to make sure that we've got symptoms under control, substance use under control, yeah. um, things like that, to just try to get them stable. Okay. They tend to have a lot of times more intense symptoms than our TCM clients. What is that? What is the word for when folks, they're let out and then they go back in? What's recidivism. Recidivism, yes. yes. I did a whole class over that. And, and the goal okay. of Takumi, of the Takumi program is. is to reduce recidivism. Okay. Yes, that's that's our entire goal is reducing recidivism to keep people from, from going back into that prison yeah. system. You know, the, that's a very traumatic experience. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that could be the arrest in itself. I've had clients that you know they're in a state of psychosis mm -hmm. and they get arrested and that just compounds that even more for them yeah and then most if they don't haven't experienced much trauma when they go into the prison system they're going to experience yeah, they're it definitely there. leaving with some yes mm -hmm. and they come out and they have prison hangover mm. and that can last a very long time okay so what is prison hangover so they they become institutionalized. Yeah. They get used to the the constant noise, the constant having to watch over your shoulder. Uh-huh. I've had clients that have told me, you know, I still get up at 2:30 every morning uh. because the guards will start coming through waking everybody up. Mm -hmm. So they they experience a lot of that and it's hard for them to kind of get out of that schedule mentally yeah, and adjust that structure right whether it be not the greatest structure but it's still right you know they're told structure. when to eat when to go to the bathroom yeah. when they can go outside if they can go outside yeah i had a client that told me that during covid they went six months without any sunlight at all they never went outside for six months and if that doesn't affect your mental health i don't know what will exactly just different things that they experience in there when you know there's no air conditioning so what? they you know in the in the dead of summer it's 120 degrees in those you're just roasting yes and the same thing in the winter they'll open the the air vents and let that cold air in on top of everybody in the dead of winter is that every jail around here there's no ac or heat i don't think i don't know if it's everyone yeah. but i know there are a lot in texas that don't have ac wow there, there are a lot of things. Yeah, we that, don't care as a society. We're just like right. lock them up. Exactly. And we're done. That stigma associated with people that ha suffer with addiction yeah. or mental illness mm -hmm. is so high that people just they turn their backs on them and they feel like they deserve yeah. to be treated in the most in inhumane ways. Yeah. 
and we don't have enough resources. We don't have enough beds for those mm-hmm. struggling with mental illness or IDD. And so the prison systems and the jails have become our biggest mental health clinics. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I believe it's Harris County that's yeah. the biggest in Texas. In Houston. Yeah. So, you know, that it's heartbreaking to see that because so many of the clients, it is simply mental illness Mm -hmm. or substance use Mm -hmm. and they get put into the prison system and it's it's a complete shock for them you know Mm -hmm. in something as simple as preventative care yeah you know or or maintenance early on could prevent so much of that it's hard to watch these people that it is there's a lot that it's assault it's assault charges and I feel like so much of that just comes from them escalating to the point that they lose control Mm -hmm. and nobody knows what to do with that. Mm. And the police show up, you know, they're not very trusting of police anyway. And then they're wrestled to the ground Uh or tased or whatever that looks like. Yeah. You know, so there's there's a lot that goes into that that I think could change. I would love to see some big changes come in that area. Policy legislation for sure. Yes. So when you say you have clients with psychosis, um, do you also, so do you work with other programs within Community Health Corps to kind of find them the right resources, or how does that work? We do. It's it's needs-based, okay. so um, just depending on what, what they're facing. Mm-hmm. Um, I recently had someone that was homeless mm-hmm. and high need, and so I, you know, normally we can take care of a lot of that through case management. Okay. We tend to have smaller caseloads, mm-hmm. so we have a little bit more time to spend, you know, seeing them twice a month yeah. to do those things. But if they're, you know, if they're a fairly high need and we just don't have the time to be able to help them, we can refer out. And so, you know, we will refer out to care coordination. I've had several that I have referred to peer services, which is uh-huh. an amazing program for Absolutely. them. Absolutely. You know, they, they can talk to someone that knows exactly what they're feeling. Has that lived experience, for yeah. sure. And, you know, I, I can listen to them, but there are some things that I just, you know, I can empathize, yeah. but I can't truly understand. Right. And so having that there has been wonderful for some of these clients that just need an ear, someone that, that's been there. The supported employment uh, is another good one that we've got. Uh, we'll refer people over to that for forget it used to be opioid supported employment and they've changed it recently and I can't remember the name but basically if they've had substance use issues Mm -hmm. they will help them get ready for a job and and get into a a job and so that's a great one for ours because mental health clients have a lot of stigma already Mm -hmm. so when you add a criminal charge into that it really sets some extra barriers for Mm -hmm. them you know a theft charge is really hard to overcome Mm -hmm. you know it's a lot harder than some of the more serious charges because people don't trust them yeah and so they may struggle to get a job where someone that had a different charge you know assault or possession charge may not yeah so you know it adds another level of barriers there that they really struggle with it's hard for them to find good jobs Mm -hmm. a lot of them don't have any job skills or training they don't even really know where to start Mm. you know or you get some that come out of the prison system after 20 or 30 years and they can't even use a cell phone oh that's a whole new world for them it's so overwhelming Uh you know computers so Mm -hmm. overwhelming everything is so different you know just over that short time span that that's a whole other 
thing that they've got to adjust to. Yeah. So they face, you know, they face a lot of challenges when they come out, especially if they've been in for a while. Mm-hmm. So y'all are there to help with that. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. You said you had a small caseload. That makes me think, how are they coming to you? Why are you having such a small caseload when there's such a great need, I guess? Mm-hmm. All of our referrals come from parole, probation, or from TDCJ. Okay. If someone is being released from TDCJ and they're already in mental health there, mm-hmm. they will refer them directly to oh, our program okay. if, they're, if they're discharging to our area. Okay. <clears throat> so they'll automatically send through a referral for that, mm-hmm. and then we schedule them for intake. They come in, and then we bring them into Takumi. Oh, okay. And then if you've got someone that's already come out or they haven't ever gone to the prison system, they're on probation, mm-hmm. then we get referrals from the parole and probation officers. Okay. So if they've got a client that they see is reporting having some struggles with their mental health, they can refer to us, and then we'll bring them in for intake and bring them into our program that way. Okay. So are we just not seeing a lot of people who are admitting to having mental health issues or substance use issues in order to get into your services, or are we just not seeing a lot of people leaving jails? Well, we also we have caseload limits, too. Okay. So uh, TCM has a 75-person caseload, um, okay. but there are... Three people in t- in the northern counties, uh-huh. and then there are three of us down here. Okay. And so the ICM caseloads is a max of 25 each. Okay. But that's because you're seeing them weekly. Yeah. So yeah, it you can can't really do much more than that. Right. <laughs> you see 20, 20 to 25 people Ooh. every week. You know, yeah, that's what four or five people a day. Yeah, if they answer the door. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if they go, if they show up, which is another struggle. You know, so we, we tend, like mine runs about 40 yeah. is, is about where I'm at right now. Okay. And that's a pretty good number because I can still accomplish the things I need to accomplish. I yeah. have time for them. You know, you get you get up really where you're seeing seven, eight people a day. Yeah, it's that's hard overwhelming. To manage. It is That's a lot of energy. That's a lot of people. Yes. <laughs> yeah, okay. So, I was just wondering, is it because there's not enough staff? Because it sounds like that's already a lot for just the three down here. Um, but I was just trying to understand where how they got referred out and if they were staying in it or if stigma was getting in the way of it was all. Most of them, you know, they have the option. So some can decline if they don't want services or if they don't want skills training. That's a big that's a big part of it. Mm, okay. Um, you know, if they don't want, if they just want medication, then we refer them out somewhere else. Okay. I think it's just the refer. You know, we get a few referrals from each PO. Mm-hmm. It goes, you know, here or there. We get it, bring it in, do their intake. They might only stay yeah. a month or two. I think it's just, you know, our intake days stay full. Mm-hmm. We schedule full intake, so it's just, you know, weeding through. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so services offered, it sounds like y'all kind of just base it on that person in front of you of what they need and you connect them to whatever they need that we offer either in Community Health Corps or in our community as well. Absolutely, yes. Yeah, it's very Mm person-centered. So we look at what their specific needs are and we try to meet those needs. Okay. You know, I I tell everybody I can about One Love Longview. Yeah. I think that's an amazing resource. Yes. And, you know, I want people to utilize that because they've got so much in one place. Absolutely. So definitely, you know, food banks, we refer to Mm -hmm. that. Anything like that, you know, we try to figure out resources to help them one that we're lacking in is dental 
Yeah. That's, that seems just across the board. So many of our clients, especially with substance use Mm -hmm. issues, you know, they've got a lot of cavities and, (laughs) you know, they desperately need dental care, but it's so expensive and they're it just is. no resources no for it. and even if you have insurance it's still absolutely wild. It is. so yeah I didn't even think about that you know I ask people their barriers all the time every time they come on but I have not heard dental but that should be one of the top things other than housing housing and funding is the, usually the top two that we get right dental absolutely so if you could create any type of resource for your client what would you create I would say it would have to be dental yeah, I see. I see so many of my clients that struggle with that, mm-hmm. and you know, I mean, and most of us can agree a toothache is one of the worst yeah. pains you can have to deal with. Mm-hmm. And when you've got constant decay in your teeth and, and multiple teeth, mm-hmm. or you know you need to have them all pulled, you're just kind of in a constant state of pain, and that yeah. takes a toll on your mental health. Oh yeah, your quality of life too. Absolutely, For and sure. it causes long-term issues health-wise mm-hmm. as well that one thing could change the course of someone's physical health. Absolutely. Any dentist listening, please. (laughs) (laughs) We would love to have some help with that. So in your five years, what do you think is the best part of your job? Like what have, what has your experiences done for you? Because I wouldn't stay somewhere for five years if I didn't enjoy it. I definitely enjoy it. I wasn't sure when I started what to think, you know, or what I would think about it. But I've learned a lot. I already knew that substance use was an issue mm-hmm. and that trauma was an issue. Oh, yeah. But it wasn't until I got this job and really talked to people that I began to see how much those two things go hand in hand. You know, substance use is usually masking, they're covering up. Absolutely. Some, yeah. You know, trying to cope in some way. Mm-hmm. And so it's. One of my favorite parts is just kind of helping them figure that out mm-hmm. and seeing the change in them. Yeah. You know, and it's not something we we see terribly Instantly. often. Yeah. But, you know, it, it can be rare mm-hmm. that we see somebody, but, but every once in a while you have this one that comes through. And, I mean, they may come in just barely making it, mm-hmm. barely getting in the door. And next thing you know they've or not next thing you know it takes quite a while (laughs) but you know you see them barely barely making it in the door and then all the you know later they're thriving Mm -hmm. you know I I had someone the other day I had to transfer them out to regular services and they said you know you saved my life Mm -hmm. if I hadn't had this I wouldn't be here wow and that's huge absolutely you know that's huge for someone to feel like we made that much of a difference Mm -hmm. in their life you know, to be able to know that you had an impact on their life in that way. You know, so many of these uh, people come in and their, their entire lives have been full of dysfunction and Mm -hmm. abuse and negativity. Yeah. And for someone just to listen to them, to give them some different ways to cope with things, to think about things. And just encourage them a little bit is something some of them have never never experienced in their lives. I believe that. 
Yeah. So it sounds like any misconceptions or bias you had has been completely eliminated once you got into this role. Yes. Yeah. Because yes. we all have bias, you know. Absolutely. We all, we all were human, unfortunately. So. <laughs> I've said absolutely very many times. I know. I do too. <laughs> but it's just because I agree so much. Word of the day. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah. Um, you know, coming in, you don't know what to expect, and it's kind of scary, you know, and, and Society I Society mean, trains you to think about things a certain way. It does, and I've discovered they're people with felonies, mm. or they're, you know, they've made mistakes, mm. and a lot of them are great people. Yeah. They're good people. Funny, and they've just smart. struggled. Yes. Yeah. Yes. They've just struggled with things that they just couldn't cope with, mm-hmm. you know? Hmm. Wow. Well, this program sounds amazing. Have you had any interns come over there? We have. So if there's an intern that comes into this, who's looking at our program and listening to this podcast, and they are kind of caught in between maybe going to school for probation or mental health, maybe this would be a good program to kind of get a look at and understand how the system works. Definitely. I think it would be a great way to kind of get an idea of what that looks like especially the barriers that they face Mm -hmm. the challenges kind of just just understanding where they're coming from Mm -hmm. with the addition of being on paper or on probation or parole okay so I I get the lingo (laughs) (laughs) I know I know that's why I was like LOC one LOC level of care Well, okay. Well, right on. Well, thank you so much, Miss Kelsey, for coming on. I really appreciate you breaking it down for me. And is there anything else you'd like to say? No, it's been a pleasure. I appreciate you taking the time to explore a little bit more about this. I hope I hope people take advantage and, and send us some referrals. Absolutely. Absolutely.